Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 172, part one of the talk given by Chris Thomas, entitled The Gift of the Present Moment. morning. I'm, I'm sorry for those of you who are on the loop system, but this morning it doesn't seem to be working. We're not quite sure why, uh, but hopefully my voice will be loud enough. Mo- most of my life now seems to be spent uh, working with groups of various sorts and meeting lots of different people. For a long time I I worked with young people and when I got to about 35 or 36 I thought I'm really losing touch with them. I really don't quite know how to key in to to what they're thinking or understanding. And so I moved out of that sort of ministry. But since I've been doing what I'm doing now I've been asked to work with, with groups of people in the 18 to 21 age bracket quite often. And periodically, if I'm free, I do it. But I always find that it takes an inordinate amount of work to try and find a way in to to touch them. Just a a couple of months ago, I was asked by a friend of mine who's a a chaplain in a local high school over in Liverpool if I would work with some of her sixth formers who were looking at spirituality, looking at prayer as a way of preparing for a pilgrimage that they were about to go on. And as part of the process, we watched a little bit of the film, Good Night, Mr. Tom. I don't know whether people have seen it yet. For those of you who don't know the story, very briefly, it takes place during the Second World War. And it tells the story of an encounter. The encounter is between a little boy who has always been an outsider because of the family situation that he lives in. And an elderly man. The little boy is evacuated out to the country. The elderly man is the one on whom he's billeted, if you like. It really is a fantastic story about an encounter with love that changes both of them. And if you get the chance to watch it at any any point, those of you who have not seen it, I mean, really do try and find it because it is the most beautiful, beautiful story. But it made me think as I was watching it, that the, the gospel is essentially about encounter. It's about an encounter with another person. It's about an encounter with, with, with love. It's an, an encounter that changes us. It's an encounter that leads us into the mystery of, of transformation. I'm absolutely certain that this encounter is not about becoming more pious. It's not about becoming more churchy. It's not so that we can escape into the myriad number of devotions that seem to surround our church this day. This encounter with love is so that we become different people. It's so that we become transformed. It is about becoming holy. You know, in the last 
20, 30 years, the church has talked an awful lot about the call to holiness. It is about becoming holy. But it's a holiness that enables us to enter into the richness of humanity. It's a holiness that calls us into relationship with God, with the world, with one another. It's not an escape from the reality that we live in. It's not an escape from the world that we live in. It's a holiness which is earthy and yet spiritual. Because it has its roots in the source of life. This God who is here now and forever. This God with whom we have had an encounter. This God that we call love. If this encounter is the real thing, a bit like Coca-Cola years ago, if, if this encounter is the real thing, then the primary thing, the primary reality we become aware of is the immensity of love that's in the heart of God for God's people. You know, so many people don't believe at the core of their being that God loves them unconditionally. Somehow, and I don't know why we've done it, but somehow we've convinced ourselves that we have to earn God's love. Somehow we've convinced ourselves that if we do it right and cross all the I's and dot all the T's, it's the wrong way around, but you know what I mean. Somehow, somehow God will love us more. It seems to me, and you know, I, mean, I could be a million miles from the truth here. Um, but if I am, then at least I've lived life happily in my delusion. Okay? <laughs> but it seems to me that our life with God has got little to do with us. Little to do with us and everything to do with a God who is constantly pouring out love upon us. It, it, it's not about what we do for God. It's about what God wants to do in us. And it seems to me, from my understanding of the scriptures, that all God really wants to do is to love us. That's all God wants to do. The heart of God is love. The justice of God is mercy. The wrath of God is passionate, insane love for God's creatures. It's all about love. And, and somehow all God wants us to do is to experience the power of that love. And, and to somehow experience that love is to know the heart of God more than anything else. And it doesn't depend on you. That is such good news. As I said last night, you wouldn't believe it looking at your faces. <laughs> it really doesn't depend on you. We've got to hear it, you know. We've got to hear it, not just up here, but somewhere in our guts. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on me. We can't earn God's love. We can't merit God's love. There's something in us, you know, that reacts to free gifts. We're suspicious of them. We seem to rebel against the possibility that God's love could be a free gift. We seem to rebel against the possibility that, that God's love is, is freely given.
I, I was told at some point in the past, and it's one of those things that stays in my mind really, that, that every religious path you can think of, you know, the, the Hindu karma, the Jewish covenant, the Muslim code of law, all, every, every path you can think of seems to be about earning love, except for one, Christianity. We can't earn God's love. We can't merit God's love. We can't reduce God's love to being dependent on, on our petty, pathetic attempts to be good and holy and righteous. It's God's gift. You're not going to get more of love because of the number of times you go to church or the number of times you say your prayers. You're not going to get more of, of love because you're good and religious. You might become more aware of love. But the love is just poured out constantly. And somehow all we have to do is plug into the flow. The flow of love that is transforming everything around us if we only had eyes to see. Now you might not believe me. You might think this is all woolly liberal nonsense. But listen to what some of the great saints and, and, and some of the mystics have said about God's love. Saint Jerome crotchety old man who locked himself in a, a cave somewhere near Jerusalem and, 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 and reflected on the scriptures and translated them. He said this when he was talking about God. He said, love is not to be purchased. Isn't that lovely? Love is not to be purchased. John, John Scotus said, God is properly called love because God is the cause of all love. Catherine of Siena when she was praying one night, felt that God was saying this to her. I can love you more than you can love yourself. And I watch over you a thousand times more carefully than you can watch over yourself. Julian of Norwich, this might be a quotation that, that we all know. In his love, he clothes us, enfolds us and embraces us. That tender love completely surrounds us, never to leave us. Therese of Lisieux, the 19th century Carmelite, however far you go in the spiritual life, the simpler it all becomes because it's all about love. Donald Coggan, who is a, an ex-archbishop of Canterbury, God loves us in our sin and through our sin, and goes on loving us. Our own Benedict XVI. Christian faith lives on the discovery that not only is there such a thing as objective meaning, but this meaning knows me and loves me. Surely you believe people like that, even if you can't believe me. <laughs> God is love. And, and to have an encounter with God in the person of Jesus is to meet unparalleled love. It's to know in the depth of our guts what we've just been talking about, that there's nothing we can do to earn that love or to deserve that love. It's simply freely given. That's the heart of what we call the good news. That's the very centre of what we call good news. And nothing else comes near it. And you know, if you're going to be into evangelization, that's what you're to proclaim. 
Not all the nonsense that we do proclaim sometimes, <laughs> but the truth that God is love and can only love and will only love. Now you can call that encounter whatever you want, okay? You can call it baptism in the spirit, you can call it conversion, you can call it being born again, you can call it awakening. Whatever you call it, that encounter with love is at the heart of any faith that is coming to life. That encounter with love is at the heart of any faith that is transforming us. It, it, it's that living relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it's not about being able to speak in tongues or prophesy or throw your hands in the air at the right place. It's about an encounter with a living Lord. A living Lord who takes us in our nothingness. And most of us haven't even got to the point where we know we haven't got very much. <laughs> but this living Lord who takes us in our nothingness and turns us upside down. This living Lord who frees us for the moment. Frees us to live in the moment. When you meet that sort of love, the past no longer matters. Because you haven't got it. The future is in the hands of something bigger than yourself. You only have the now. Free to live in the present moment. It always strikes me that when, whenever there is a, a real encounter with Jesus, whenever there's a real encounter with love, then change takes place. Change happens. There's a new awareness, a new awakening, a new sight. And it's usually in the realm of whether or not God can be trusted. You know, I would go as far as to say that if our encounter with Jesus hasn't enabled us to let go of our past because in this moment we've met a God who can be trusted. And if it doesn't allow us to entrust the future to a God who is with us and a God who is love, then I would go so far as to say that we're not living from the encounter that we say we've had. So many of us stay locked up in what has been and anxious about the future. Here and now is the encounter with this living God who is love. One of my favourite characters in the scriptures is Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, I'm never quite sure how you pronounce it. But, but he had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter with compassion, he had an encounter with mercy, he had an encounter with love, and he came out of that encounter a different person than he'd been before. The, the process of transformation had begun in him. And when he climbed down the tree and, and was told by Jesus to go and prepare dinner, what did Jesus say to him? Today, here and now, <laughs> salvation has come to this house. Sadly, most of us seem to live with a foot in the past or dreaming about our future. My, my auntie is 90 next weekend and she says to me, she's only got the present moment because everyone who 
knows her if her pastor's dead, <laughs> and she hasn't got an awful lot of future left. So, <laughs> so she's living in the moment. But most of us seem to live with a foot there and a foot there, which in, in many senses means that we can't live now. It means that we can't meet this God here and now. And, and yet, in order to accept the truth of what Jesus invites us into, we have to, to somehow forget what lies behind the messes, the mistakes, the sin. You know, in a sense, whatever we've done in the past, or whatever has dogged us from our past, is irrelevant. Because we only have now. And, and whatever we think the future may hold, now is the reality. It's now that Jesus wants to give, his, give us the kingdom. I don't know whether any of you have ever read the book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, by uh, Brennan Manning. It's the most fantastic book, if you, again, if you can get hold of it. I, I think it's years old now, and I'm not sure that it's even in print. But if you can get hold of it, it, it really is fantastic. But Brennan Manning uses the, uh, a Zen story to try and illustrate the point that, that I'm trying to make. It's the story of a monk who's being chased by a, by a fierce tiger. And the monk runs towards a cliff edge, a cliff face. And when he looks backwards, he sees the tiger getting closer and closer and closer. He keeps on looking back until he sees the tiger stop. And the tiger's about to, to pounce. He, he's getting himself all keyed up to pounce. So the monk looks wildly around and he sees a rope attached to a tree hanging down over the edge of the cliff. So he grabs the rope and he begins to escape over the edge of the cliff. Now as soon as he gets over the edge of the cliff, he looks down. And down below him, all he can see are jagged rocks. He's caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. He looks up and he sees the tiger looking down at him. He looks down and all he can see are these rocks. And as he hangs between the two disasters, not quite sure what to do, he sees growing out of the side of the cliff a beautiful strawberry plant with two wonderful strawberries on, them, on it. And he reaches out and he takes it and he tastes it. And it's the finest strawberry that he's ever, ever had. Now if he was over preoccupied with the tiger waiting to jump on him or too worried about the cliffs that he might fall on, he would have missed the strawberry. Now, most of the characters in the scriptures who encounter Jesus grab the strawberry. They grab the strawberry. And like Zacchaeus, they discover that it's the sweetest strawberry they've ever tasted. Most of them seem to allow their pasts to die and their futures to be consumed by the love of God. Most of them seem to be able to live in the eternal now. Think of the woman of Samaria, for example, or, or the blind man, both from John's Gospel, or the lepers from the Synoptics, able to live in the moment because of their encounter with love. 
There's a classic book that was written about all of this sort of theology called The, the Sacrament of the, the Present Moment. Jean-Pierre de Cassot wrote it. And, and, and I picked out this particular passage from it because it seemed to speak to me at the time. The present moment holds infinite riches beyond your wildest dreams, but you will only enjoy them to the extent of your faith and your love. The more a soul loves, the more it longs, the more it hopes, the more it finds. The will of God is manifest in each moment, an immense ocean which only the heart fathoms in so far as it overflows with faith, trust and love. It's only an encounter with the reality of God's love that fills us with love. So it's only an encounter with the risen Lord that can enable us to live in the now. And that's why I said a few moments ago, if we're living caught up with our past or our future, then I wonder what our encounter with the Lord has really been about. I wonder what it's really saying. One of my favourite quotations from the scriptures comes from John's Gospel, where John has Jesus say, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, now you could say that's all about going to heaven when you die. You could say that. Or you could remember that Jesus was a Jew. And if you know that Jesus was a Jew, he wasn't Catholic, by the way, just in case you wondered. <laughs> and he wasn't even Christian, okay? Jesus was a Jew. And as a Jew, he was very much a present moment person. You know, Jews don't really, if they believe in an afterlife at all, it's a very hazy understanding. Jews live in the present moment. They believe that God's blessings are for the present moment. They believe it's a here and now relationship. So when John has Jesus say, I came that you might have life and have it to the full, he's not talking about going to heaven when you die. He's talking about here and now. This is where we're to have life and, and, and have it to the full. And that living in the moment, that living fullness of life, is called in the Synoptic Gospels the Kingdom of God or, or, or the Kingdom of Heaven. I just want you for a moment to try and reflect on Mark's Gospel. Because one of the major themes in Mark's Gospel is that of the Kingdom of God. Matthew calls it the Kingdom of Heaven, but in a sense the terms are, are interchangeable. Which is why Catherine of Siena can say it's heaven all the way to heaven and hell all the way to hell. Because, because the reality is that it's not about space and time, it's about here and now. And it's here and now that we experience the truths of heaven and hell. And it's here and now that we can live in the kingdom and forever. So one of Mark's, Mark's major themes is this understanding of, of the kingdom. And what Mark tries to show us is that the kingdom of God is, is a concept of relating. It, it's a way of believing, it's a a way of trusting, it's a way of seeing yourself, it's a way of, of hoping, it's a way of living, it's a way of dying. And, and it all comes back to that basic truth that we are loved by a God who is both father and mother. That frees us in the here and now to live life to the full. So I guess somehow we have to be open to the sort of 
relationship with God that Jesus had. A relationship in which we allow God to, to take over our hearts. A relationship in which somehow we surrender ourselves to God. We hand over control. You know, we might have had an encounter with Jesus, but most of us are real control freaks. We control every second of our lives. It's an invitation to let go. An invitation to surrender. That's the kingdom. That relationship that we experience forces us into relationship with the created order, forces us into relationship with one another. To experience life now is to live in the kingdom. To choose life now is to live in the kingdom. Learn how to be in relationship with God, with the brothers and sisters, with the world that we live in. Learn how to live in the moment. Let the past stay in the past and the future stay in the future. And we'll begin to realize that everything is gift. And that every moment is worth living. So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximize your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.